You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. All right, let's make some noise for last weekend, you guys, for the work that God did here and through Radiant Church. Such an incredible weekend. Let me give you a few stats. On Good Friday, over 200 people worshiped with us in just one service. We were so, rather, it went so well, and we were so excited about it that we, as a staff, agreed we got to do two of these services next next year for Good Friday. And we had so many visitors visit us and people from our community who have never been to Radiant Church, so that was incredible. On Saturday, we had our Easter Egg Dash. Over 300 people were there for our Easter Egg Dash, and we fed everyone free food, free candy, free prizes because of the generosity of our church. And this is one of the biggest outreaches of our year. And so we love just blessing our community because we just don't exist for ourselves. We exist to be a blessing to our city. And then, of course, on Easter Sunday, it gets even better. You guys, check this out. Over three services, we had over 700 people here, you guys. Such good news. And that was a record-breaking number for us, about 706 approximately. So that's our highest ever attended services here at Radiant Church ever. So we are so excited for that. And that is a big deal. Let me tell you why that's a big deal. Because some of you are like, it's all about the numbers. Is that what you care about? Well, in some sense, yes, that's a big deal. Because here's why. Number one, here's what this means. It means that you guys, our church is full of people who invite others to church. That is good news. Because a dying church, that does not happen. Dying churches, no one invites people. They're embarrassed to have any friends or family to come. But a growing and thriving church is full of people who say, hey, you've got to come check this church out. I'm, I'm meeting Jesus. He's changing me. Like, I didn't think this was me, but like, this is me. He's changing me, and I want you to meet Jesus at Radiant. Number two, it means our social media presence is getting out there. People are sharing our content and our videos and Our YouTube channel is growing every single week, which is amazing. And then number three, it means this, is that more and more people are being exposed to the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's right. And that is such good news. That is such a big deal because I don't know if you knew this, but we live in pretty much a post-Christian culture right now. In fact, progressivism is moving at such a fast rate right now that more and more people, more and more kids, in fact, let me give you a story for just for an example. We have kids here at Radiant Church who, who come on a regular basis, who have come before. They've been introduced to Jesus, and they've told our instructors, we don't know who he is. What's, what's the big deal? Why did they kill him? For what? What the heck? He would seem like a nice guy. They have no reference point for Jesus. This is a true story for so many people nowadays. That's how you know that we're living in a post-Christian culture is when people have no reference point for the man named Jesus. And so listen, church, this is good news because more and more people are being exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's changing lives and setting people free, and I believe bringing renewal and revival to our city, which so desperately needs it, right? So desperately needs it. So listen, again, I want to celebrate all that God did, and let me just say a special shout out to Team Radiant. If you were here Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, or all three days, some of you were here all three days serving, and not to be served, but to serve. Come on, someone. That is amazing. You are my heroes. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. So many selfless people were here all three days, not so they could get something from us, but so they could serve other people so that they might know Jesus. And so, Team Radiant, we can't do it without it. We love you guys. Now, let me also say this before we move on to our message. Next Sunday is going to be very special for us as a church, and I want you to be here. If As long as you're not on vacation, I want to make sure that you're here, okay? So if you're not out of town, 
you're here at one of our two services. Not only are we going to celebrate, I think, 12 or maybe even 14 people being baptized, which is going to be incredible, okay? But we're also, listen, we're also going to take some time to look at what all of what God has done in the past five and a half years at Radiant Church. We're going to celebrate. It's going to be a different service. Again, this is not your typical service. I won't have a typical message, but we have to do this, okay? We're going to celebrate all that God has done. We're going to have food and hors d'oeuvres and candy in the middle of both services because we want to celebrate God's faithfulness. In fact, the Jewish people were marked by festivals. You can read the Old Testament, and there are many festivals that God required the Jewish people to participate in. For what? So that they would remember God's faithfulness. So celebrating, listen, is biblical, and we're going to do that. And then we're also going to do this. We're going to, I'm going to cast vision, and we're going to look forward to what God has for us in the future, what we think is our very next step as a church. And I want to tell you right now, listen up, I have some very big news to share with you next Sunday, but I can't share it with you until next Sunday. So you need to be here. We're going to have a great time remembering God's faithfulness, and then we're going to look forward to what's our next step as a church. Well, I'm going to tell you what our next step is, and it's going to be incredible. So make sure you make plans to be here. Bring your friends and your family. It's going to be an amazing Sunday morning. Well, listen, today is a standalone message. Since we're not in the middle of a message series right now, I've entitled this message, Becoming More Like Jesus. Becoming more like Jesus. Did you know this, church? Did you know that the goal of the Christian life isn't simply to go to church, live a semi-moral life, and try to be nice to some people along the way? Like, that's not the goal of the Christian life. Now, those things can be sort of included, but that's not really the goal. The goal, actually, rather, the focus of the Christian life, the vision of the Christian life is much broader, it's much greater, okay, than those things I just listed. Those things are important, but there's something even bigger and better than that. In fact, the goal and the vision of the Christian life is threefold. I want to share with you what is the vision of the Christian life. Number one, it's this, to be with Jesus. Be with Jesus. Did you know that the disciples spent a lot of time to be with Jesus? And that part of your requirement, your vocation as a believer, as a follower of Christ, is to what? Be with Jesus. Not just on Sundays, not just on Wednesday nights, but every single day to spend time, to carve time to what? To be with Jesus. Number two, the goal and the vision of the Christian life is this. It is to do as Jesus did. Jesus, while he was alive, did a lot of things, didn't he? He did things like teach, so we should teach. He did things like preach. We should preach. He did things like prophesy. So we should prophesy. He did things like heal the sick. So we should heal the sick. He did things like cast demons out. We should pray for deliverance for people who are under demonic oppression and influence so that we might see them set free. Okay? We should do all those things and more. The goal of the Christian life is that we do as Jesus did. And then finally, number three, here's what we should do. We should become more like Jesus. We should become like Jesus or simply be like Jesus. I want you to be like Jesus. And you thought it was just about going to church, trying to not swear, and, you know, be nice to people. It's much bigger than that. We want to be with Jesus. We want to do as Jesus did, and we want to become actually like him, the way that he lived and he walked, he talked. We want to become like Jesus. Now, listen, I've talked about these three briefly in the past. Today, what I want us to do is I want us to take the microscope, so to speak, and we're going to zoom in on number three, become like Jesus, becoming more like Jesus. What does it mean? What does it look like to become more like Jesus? Well, let me start with the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and he says this. He says, and we all, say we all. We all. He said, y'all. All of us who are in Jesus Christ. We all, okay? With unveiled faces. This is a throwback to the days of Moses and Exodus. You can read about that. Did you know that the New Testament is saturated with Old Testament language? And if you don't know your Old Testament, you miss all of it. 
It's brilliant. The writers of Scripture are brilliant, actually, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. He says, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory or the Lord's doxa is the Greek word. Doxa literally means the weightiness or the heaviness of God, right? Just say it, God. You got to say it that way, right? Kind of gives you the element of the heaviness of God. Our being, what's the word there underlined? Transformed, right? Into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit, Okay. That word is, we're going to focus in on that word, transformed. Paul writes that those of us in Christ are being what? Changed. We're being changed. In what ways? To look more and more like Jesus. How? Because the Spirit of God is doing the work. The Holy Spirit lives in you, moves through you, if, if indeed you are a believer. Now, if you're not a believer, you don't have the Holy Spirit, Okay. The Holy Spirit is given to those who profess faith in Christ. God awakens faith in you. The Spirit of God lives on the inside of you, comes to live on the inside of you. I'm going to take a moment to pray, and then we're going to dive in. I want to just warn you today, I'm going to drop a lot of truth bombs. I'm going to bring it, okay? So get ready. It's going to be semi-offensive to some of you, okay? But we're going to bring it. It's going to be unfiltered, unashamed, unapologetic. Let's go. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for your truth. We thank you for Barry, who is um, just a man of God, and thank you for his family, for Judy, Aaron, and Luke, Lord. Lord, I thank you for them. Father, I thank you that you're raising up men in our church to be godly leaders. Lord, would you raise up more men in our church to be godly leaders, not men who are selfish, not men who are just thinking about their own possessions, their own finances, their own lives, but men who will lay down their lives for the gospel, who will be strong and tough, but at the same time, they'll be tender, they'll be tender-hearted, and they'll also be kind and loving to their children, God. Lord, we need more men of God. Our world is in serious trouble. Our churches are in trouble because we don't have enough men of God to lead, to step up, to serve, to give sacrificially, Lord. Too many men are being passive. Too many men are just taking in resources. Father, convict the men in this house today, Lord, that you might raise them up to be godly leaders, that they might lead their families by example, God. Father, open our hearts to what the words that you have for us. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts that are softened, Lord, and give us eyes to see the beauty of the gospel. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen, church, amen. All right, you guys. Listen, I grew up, um, I'm a child of the 80s. Any children of the 80s in here? Raise your hand if you're a child of the 80s. What, what? Let's go, let's go, let's go, right? I remember growing up on the original, this is the original cartoon, Transformers. Anyone remember the Transformers? Raise your hand if you remember, remember the original Transformers. It was first aired September 17th. 1984. There's Optimus Prime and then uh, Megatron in the background, and I love it. That's the original Transformers. Transformers were these vehicles. They were planes, trains, and automobiles, right, and trucks, and they would, what would they do? They would Transformers, right? They would change into what? They would change into these super giant robots, and then they would do, you know, battle in space and in the galaxies, and I was there for it. I had all of the cartoon or all of the toys, and I mean, I was into it, y'all. I loved me some Transformers, and maybe if you did not grow up in the 80s, okay, you know the movie series and Transformers became popular back then because of that as well. Now, why do I bring up the original cartoon? Well, I bring this up to let you know that the Greek word that Paul uses for the word transform is similar to this idea that we see in that cartoon, right? It's the Greek word metamorpho, metamorpho. It is the Greek word, or it is rather where we get the word metamorphosis, metamorphosis. Metamorphosis is describing a dramatic change in an object, a dramatic change in a person's life or in a creature's life, an animal's life. Think about it like this. In nature... We think of a caterpillar becoming a what, church? A butterfly. That's right. We also think of a tadpole becoming a what? A frog. Very good. And in cartoon world, we think of a, of a transformer, right? Of a car becoming this super giant robot. Now, this type of dramatic change 
is supposed to, listen up, church, this is important, is supposed to characterize the people of God. Can I get an amen? This type of dramatic change is supposed to characterize the people of God. I'm, I'm going to press in today, and I'm going to push a little buttons today, but it's all out of love, I promise you. But this is supposed to characterize the people of God. Let me say it like this. You cannot help but change when you become a believer. Why is that, Pastor Marco? That's because literally, remember, Paul says this, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives where, church? In you and me, both individually and corporately. So when we gather as God's people, the spirit resides, meet God's presence is among us, and that's why it's so tangible, it's manifest. That's why some of you cry. That's why some of you, you're offended. Why? The spirit of God is trying to do something on the inside of you. Trying to get, if you're an unbeliever, he's trying to get your attention. He's trying to come towards me, child, daughter, son, come towards me. The spirit of God. Now, if you're a believer, listen, the spirit of God is changing you from the inside out, okay? That's why... Church, the number one sign of someone coming to faith. How do I know if someone became a Christian, Marco? I'll tell you how. It's a transformed life. A transformed life. That's the number one way that you know. It's not, well, he's nice. He's so nice. I don't care about he's nice. It's not, well, he says he believes in God. Well, that's, well, great. I'm not, I don't care about those things. Listen, because the Bible says the demons even believe that God exists. How do you know it's a transformed life? It's a transformed life. Is it gradual? Yeah, it's gradual, but it's evident. It's gradual, but it's evident, okay? So how do we change? How do we grow into Christ-likeness? Well, let me first tell you how it doesn't happen, church. Let me first tell you how Christ-likeness doesn't happen. Listen, it doesn't just happen with information transfer, Okay, it doesn't just happen with information transfer, because if that was the case, listen, all you, all you would have to do is just read a magazine or a book and you'd be changed, voila. But just because you know something doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to change. Let me rather say it like this, just because you know something doesn't mean we'll do something, right? Just because we know something doesn't mean we'll do something, Again, if that was the case, if you said, I need, to, I need to lose a little bit of weight, Pastor Marco, I need to lose the love handles, I need to lose the flabby uh, uh, triceps, I need to get in shape, well, that's awesome. I would, just, I would just tell you, go read a health magazine, go read an article, and then, you know what, six weeks later, you're going to be skinnier, healthier, sexier, it's going to be amazing, right? But that doesn't happen. Now, I'm going to date myself here for just a moment. How many of you remember the book, The Abs Diet? Anybody remember The Abs Diet? A few of you remember. It was an orange book. Listen, I bought The Abs Diet. I read The Abs Diet. I didn't get abs, and I want my money back. I'm serious, folks. I read it. I internalized it, and I didn't get abs. What the heck? I want, I want my money back. That's because change doesn't just happen because of information transfer. Those of you who are suffering from anxiety or depression, which my guess is probably about 70% of you in the room suffer from some form of anxiety or depression. Why do I say that? Because we have a pandemic, an epidemic of anxiety in our world right now, okay? Now, I don't say that to make fun of you. I just simply say that. That's, a, that's the case for so many of us. Listen, if, if you needed to experience a relief in your anxiety, I would just tell you, read a book. Go, go ahead and just read an article, and then voila, no more anxious thoughts. Voila, now I'm fixed. I'm good, right? But listen, change doesn't, we know this. Change doesn't just happen when we just read something or we take in information, okay? How can we fully embark on this journey we call Christ-likeness. How do we do so? Right? Because some of us have been living the same way for like 20 years, and you've been following Jesus, and that should not be the case, right? So in love, I'm going to show you how we begin to pursue Christ-likeness. It's not just go to church. It's not just try to live a moral life. It's not just be nice to people, okay? It's much more profound. Are you guys ready? Amen. Number one, here it is, renew your mind through God's word. Renew your mind through God's word. I know it sounds elementary, but it's not because so many Christians don't read their Bibles, okay? Sounds elementary, but it's not because so many believers don't read their Bibles, okay? Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, 
holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform, okay? Don't, 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 don't align yourself to the patterns of the world. But be, what's the word, church? Transformed, right? By the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is incredible because Paul says, listen, you need to be transformed. Here's how your mind needs to be transformed. That's what Paul's saying here. So some of you are like, I, I, I have bad habits. I'm insecure. I have um, daddy issues, mama issues. I was abused. I'm, I'm, I'm attracted to men who treat me like crap. Um, okay, how do I fix that, Pastor Marco? Renew your mind. Renew your, you got to begin to renew your mind. Let me give you a, a little theology. Hold on here. This is a bit, um, uh, you know, master's level theology, but hold on to me. We need this, okay? The word for world in Romans 12, 1 and 2 is the word, is the word ion, aeon. It's the Greek word, and it actually literally means age. Now, this is interesting because most of the time when the word world is used in the New Testament, it's not that word. It's cosmos, cosmos. So we get the word cosmos, right? But this is the word ion or aeon. And aeon means age. Hmm. Age is kind of like a, a time frame. Does that make sense to you guys? Hold with me. Use your thinking caps here. The Apostle Paul says that this age that we live in is called this present evil age. Why does he call it that? Because it's marked by sin and death. But there is another age that has come into play right now, and it's on its way in its fullness, and that is the age to... Kinsey in the back got it again. The age to come. That's right. The age to come. That age is marked by righteousness and eternal life. Now, here's what theologians also say, because you're looking at me like, what's going on right now? We live in what we call the overlap of the ages. Hang with me, church. Here's one age. This is this present evil age. Here's the other age, the age to come. Guess what? They're overlapping now. How is it that they're overlapping? Here's how. Jesus Christ, remember him? He died on the cross. Three days later, he defeated death, hell, and the grave. Now, his spirit resides on the inside of you, okay? So the age to come, which is an age marked by eternal life and righteousness, which will be here in its fullness when Jesus comes back to our earth, back to our world, it will be here in its fullness. But did you know that one theologian calls the people of God people of the future? This is amazing. Just hold with me for a second. I know this is confusing, but we are people of the future. Well, how so, Pastor? This is the way, I, this is the way it goes. You see, the future for God's people is breaking in right now through what? Godliness, righteousness, freedom, redemption. We experience the age to come right now. This is amazing. So we are people of the future because we begin to live like the future right now. What is the future? Remember, it's Jesus, his kingdom here in its fullness. It's not here in its fullness yet. How do you know that, Pastor? Here's how I know it. People still die. Bingo, right there. Easy answer. People still die. Okay? Now, my charismatic friends, I'm a charismatic myself, but an overrealized eschatology wants too much of that kingdom right now. And we still see sin and death. But guess what? We also experience people coming to life in God right now. Yes. Okay. Now, that's a lot of theology. Let me bring it home, okay? So we are to be a people of the future who live by the coming kingdom of God, of Jesus coming here to the earth. We live as people of the future, people living into that reality right now. How do we do that? By renewing our minds. We need to renew our minds. In the famous words of Ralph Waldo Emerson, notice what he says. He says, sow a thought and you reap an action. Okay? Sow an act and you reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap a character. Sow a character and you reap a destiny. Church, let me just say this this morning. If you want to change your life, it starts by changing your thoughts. Can I get an amen? That's right. 
If you want to change your life, it starts by changing how you think about sex. It starts about changing how you feel about the way that you look physically. It starts about changing how you think others look at you. It starts about changing your diet right now. How do you do that? You change your thoughts. How do you think about food? How do you think about sex? How do you think about being lonely? How do you think about whatever it is? You must change your mind on that thing to experience life change. How do you renew it? Through God's word. Through God's word. Okay? Through God's word. Here's the problem, church. Before we became Christians, our thoughts were controlled, were shaped, were formed 100% by who? Satan in the world. Amen. You got it. You got it. For some of you, you beat yourself up. Like, I keep doing that. I keep doing that thing. Why do you keep doing it? Because you've been doing it for 40 years. That's why. So give yourself a little bit of grace. Okay? But then you need to renew your mind. Renew your thoughts. Your thought patterns must begin to change, okay? In our world right now, listen, there are cultural narratives. Listen closely. Because I'm going to preach today, okay? There are, you need this message. I, the church needs this message. In our world today, there are cultural narratives that are embodied. Here it is, in every cartoon, in every YouTube station channel, okay? In every uh, television show, in every movie, in every song that you hear, there are cultural narratives. And 99.9% of these are contrary to the word of God. Okay? Are, are we in agreement? Yes or no? Okay, thank you. If you didn't know this, this is why you can't sit your kid with an iPad for 14 hours and expect that they'll be like Jesus. Eh, not going to happen. Not going to happen. No way. That's, a, that's craziness. Well, I thought they would be, I'd take them to church. And your iPad is discipling your kid. Okay, you can't do that, right? You can't do that, right? Let me give you some cultural narratives. Your, these cultural narratives are prevalent. Number one, sex is merely physical, and therefore I can have sex with whoever I want to when I want. Wrong. Sex is profoundly spiritual, and it bonds two people together in incredible intimacy. Therefore, it's meant only in the confines of marriage. Okay? The confines of marriage between a man and a woman is what the Bible tells us, okay? Right? So here's what I see in young couples. Young couples start sleeping together, okay? And then I'm going to be real bold this morning, okay? So real blunt. Here's what I see. The, the, the guys, when it... When they break up, it's not a big deal. The guy, the guy can move on to one sexual partner, to another sexual partner, to another sexual partner, and keep going, okay? Now, the female stereotypically cannot do so. Often it does happen, but it destroys, it corrupts her life in such a profound way. Now, here's the secret, though. Here's the secret that eventually for the boy or for the man, listen, it will catch up to him. It will, how does it catch up? It, catch up? it catches up in dysfunction and insecurity and feeling used, grossness, no purpose in life, unfulfilled desires, right? But for the woman in the relationship, she normally is impacted by the sex much faster. Why is that? I'm not sure why that is, but we do know this, that sex is, it, it binds two people together. So when you break that up, it's devastating. This is why some of you females here this morning, you can't break up with your boyfriend because you like the sex too much, and it's binding you to him. I'm coming for you this morning. It's going to hurt. You better do it now before it gets worse. Number two, follow your feelings and do whatever makes you happy. Cultural narrative, wrong, garbage. Don't follow your feelings because your feelings are like Michigan, right? Weather changes, Okay. <laughs> It's like 85 degrees yesterday or 80 degrees on Friday. Tomorrow, 40 degrees. That's your feelings. All right? How do you even know your feelings? How do you even trust them? I, listen, I, listen, pay attention to your feelings, but don't let them rule your life. Enough said. Number three, jo just be your authentic self. Just be your authentic self. Wrong. That line is used to justify doing whatever you feel is right. Can I just tell you, unfortunately, Mankind has been a very, very, very poor judge of what is right and what is wrong. We've tried to be the arbiters of our own truth. Garbage. It's led us to death, destruction, wars, racism, wickedness, demonic activity. I mean, good night. Look at our world right now. Okay? Don't just focus on being your authentic self. Focus on being like Jesus, right? 
focus on being like Jesus. The heart is deceitful above all things, okay? Deceitful above all things. Number four, cultural narrative. Number four, love is love. Pastor Marco, love is love. I can do whatever I want with whoever I want. I can sleep with whoever I want. Again, same kind of sex lie that we see here. Love is love. No, no, uh-uh. God is love. So we, uh, yeah, let's go. Come on. God is love, and therefore God determines those conditions, okay? God is love, and everything that God commands is loving. You got to know that. You're like, oh, wait a second. What about that part in Scripture? I know, I know. Everything that God commands is from love, okay? And the most loving thing that we can do, church, is what? Is agree with God on what he said. Some Christians, unfortunately, are trying to outlove God. They think they can be more loving than God himself. Number five, just live your truth. Hey, dog, you got to live your truth. You know what I'm saying? Hey, live your truth, bro. Your truth ain't going to set you free. Your truth is going to lead you to death and destruction. Let me just say this. Truth is not subjective. Truth is absolute. Okay? What's true for one person has to be true for everyone else. Okay? Has to be true. And let me just say this. Your feelings about something doesn't change what is true just because you feel it. Just because you don't believe it doesn't make it true. Doesn't make it not true. Okay? Your truth won't set you free, church. Jesus is what? He is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. Okay? Follow after the embodied truth whose name is Jesus. There are more cultural narratives. We don't have time to go there today, but we will some other day. We'll debunk those narratives. Filter it through what? The word of God. Number two, find new friends and communities. Some of y'all just need to get some new friends, new community. Some of you need to ditch the zero and get with the hero, okay? Pastor just gave you permission. Have you ever heard the saying, show me your friends, I'll show you your future? I heard that before. You know what? It's true. (laughs) Did you know this, church, that you become like the five people that you are around the most? You become like the five people that you are around the most. Now, listen, this is why, have you ever noticed, church, let me ask you a question. Have you ever noticed when people who think, who, who think the same things about politics, about theology, about sociology, tend to sort of hang out, they hang, they hang together, right? So the lefties hang out with the lefties, the righties hang out with the righties, the moderates hang out with the moderates, Right? And, and when politically wise, and those who have a similar charismatics tend to hang around with the spirit filled charismatics, and those who don't have or believe in the spirit, they just, I don't know who, I don't know who they hang out with actually. So, um, but, <laughs> but listen, um, you hang around people who are like minded, and you become like those people, right? You become like those people. Now, listen, the biggest pushback I, I get on this as a pastor is what I call the niceness lie. This is called the niceness lie. So in an effort to just be nice to everyone and to be loved, right, what we do is we violate all types of personal boundaries. Okay? In an effort to be nice and to be liked by everyone, we violate all types of personal boundaries. Let me just say to you this. When Loving someone else compromises your faith and causes you to live in a sinful lifestyle, there needs to be a change. That's not a nice issue. You've got it wrong. You've got it backwards, okay? You've got it wrong, and something needs to change, okay? Now, what I often see, again, is Christians in their effort to be nice and to love everyone, they violate every appropriate boundary, Many Christians don't understand appropriate boundaries because they're people pleasers. You just want to be liked at the end of the day, okay? They just want everyone to like them. You want every, people want everyone to like, they want to be liked by their pastor. When I disagree with them, they get hurt and they cry and they leave and they do whatever, right? Because no one wants to not be liked. And I'm trying to rather deliver to you truth, not to be popular, Okay? Let me just say this, when your main goal in life is to be liked by everyone, it's going to be very difficult to please God. Did we not hear that? Let's say it again. 
when your main goal in this life is to be liked by everyone, it's going to be difficult to please God. Let me say it this way. You can't be liked by everyone and please God at the same time, okay? Can't be liked by everyone and please God at the same time. Well, how do I know? Well, how do you know that, Pastor? I'm trying. I am trying to be liked by everyone. Here's how I know. Everyone didn't like Jesus. There it is. There it is. Mic drop. Everyone did not like Jesus, okay? Now, let me, let me speak to the heart for a moment. Church, can I get your attention for just a moment here? Some of you, listen, I love you. Some of you, in your zeal, because of your personality, the way you're wired, you just want to jump in and rescue everyone, and you want to be everyone's savior. Let me, newsflash, you're not a savior, okay? But if your family is full of perversion, full of dysfunction, full of violence, full of addiction, listen, the only way that you're going to rescue anyone from your family, listen, is through wisdom and through accountability. Because here's what happens too often is, well, I'm strong enough, Pastor Marco. Maybe, probably not. So what happens is that the godly person says, I'm going to go rescue all of my cousins who are, they worship demons and they're, you know, go to strip clubs and they drink, you know, an 18-pack every day. I, I can do it. I'm in there. Go, Jesus! Right? And then they go in and they start drinking and worshiping the devil and going to strip clubs. It's not that you can't go into it. It's just, listen, be wise. You need to be wise and you need accountability. So a lot of naive Christians will sort of jump into situations where I'm going to rescue mom and dad. I'm going to do this. Boo, look at me. Super, here's a verse. I'm going to read a verse over you in Jesus' name. And hey, listen, listen. Love the zeal. Love the personality. Love the, the focus to do something. But listen, too many Christians. Can you just hear from a guy who's been pastoring for a while, who's been in ministry for a while? Listen, too often I see people pulled into the depths of hell because they're trying to be Jesus. Yes, evangelize. Yes, share the word. Do all those things, okay? Yes, I know Jesus ate with, he drank with sinners, but Jesus had friends, and his friends he spent more time with, and he had friends in the friends, his inner three, he spent even more time with them. Figure out who's your tribe, who are you going to walk with, and then everyone else, boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. <laughs> Proverbs thirteen twenty. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be misled. Don't be an idiot. Bad company corrupts good character. Too often Christians are like, but someone has to evangelize. I know that. I get that. So if you're going to go into that territory... You better be wise and you better have accountability, especially if you, you used to do all those things they're doing. Number three, some of us need to form new habits and practices. Now, I know this is a lot harder than it seems, right? It's easy to say, much more difficult to do, okay? We're going to look at Matthew chapter 7 um, today, and we're going to look at the words of Jesus where he talks about putting his words into practice. And this is important for every single one of us. Verse number 24, therefore, Jesus speaking, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into, the key word is practice, is like a foolish man, I was just waiting, it's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Okay, so Jesus tells a story, you guys. It's a parable. Two different people build their lives on a different thing. One is the sand and one is the rock, and uh, waves come, storms blow through, right? But here's what happens. Um, Only one house remains standing. The other house... It just crumbles to the ground. The house that's built on the rock is what stands. That's representative of our rock, Jesus Christ, right? How do we build our lives on the rock? Well, Jesus told us. He said, you what? Put his words into practice. 
You got to practice them. You know how um, an NBA player will, you've heard the stories of them practicing free throws for, you know, four hours in a row, just like these, these centers that are so tall, they're terrible at shooting free throws, so their coach makes them practice for three hours or four hours a day just shooting free throws. What are they doing? Practicing. They're practicing. So in the same way, we have to practice what we've learned, okay? Uh, I'm not against sermons. I'm not against more, more, more podcast downloads. I'm not against YouTube teachers. Oh, I'm just not following this YouTube teacher pastor. He's all, he's all credible, man. He's awesome. Oh, end times, everything end times. That's awesome. Hey, that's awesome. But listen, let's, let's keep the main thing the main thing, okay? Those things can be very helpful, and they do help us grow. But what's even better is when you practice what you've learned. So Jesus would say to us, hey, you've heard everything I've just said to you. Now go practice it, right? Go practice it. Go and love those who have hurt you. Go and forgive your enemy. Go and live generously with your finances. Go and be kind. Go and sow into this. Go and serve others. Go, right? Go and put those words into practice because that will help us to create new practices, new habits, right, that will shape our life, okay? Let me just give you three real quick. Number one, are you practicing reading your Bible? A lot of Christians don't, unfortunately. I'm not here to beat you up. I'm just here to simply say to you, if you're not putting that into practice, again, the world is going to influence you more than you think. Number two, are you practicing digital solitude? What does that mean, Marco? It means this. You cannot be in front of a screen 24 hours a day. It shapes and forms who you are. And again, parents, if you don't have boundaries on this, your kids are going to start spewing the ideologies of the world. And you're going to say, but I bring them to church, Pastor Marco. I don't care. Your iPad is discipling them 14 hours a day. Who wins? Not you. Are you practicing a Sabbath? Are you resting? Some of you in here or you're watching online, you're performers, right? You are motivated by performing and you never take a day off. But here's what I've discovered as a pastor. I've discovered this, that some of those people are hiding behind their performance. They're masking their pain, their insecurity, everything that's wrong within them. They're hiding it from other people, and they're hiding it from God himself. Did you know, listen, did you know, here's what it takes if you want to experience healing in your life. Write this down. One word, vulnerability. And men, can I just speak to the men? We suck at being vulnerable. Men suck at being vulnerable. But when we begin to open up our hearts and our lives to the Lord, what can happen? Healing can take place. Healing can take place. So we need to open up our lives and our hearts to the Lord. And oftentimes we perform. We never take a day off because we don't want anyone to see our pain. We ourselves don't want to see that pain that's within, within, within you. So are you practicing a Sabbath, right? Put those things into practice. Finally, number four, we'll get ready to wrap this up in just a few minutes. Change your environment. Change your environment. I want to read to you Psalm 92, verses 12 through 15. It says this, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. Where are the righteous planted, church? In the house of the Lord. Amen, brother. They're planted in the house of the Lord. Isolation is the devil's playground. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. Some of you want to grow, and you want to, you want to grow in your Christ like this. You want to grow in your, in your knowledge of him, but you're separated from the house of the Lord. And so don't be surprised when, again, the world influences you more. Okay. Finally, in verse number 15, proclaiming the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there's no wickedness in him. Now, a palm tree takes a lot of water to grow, uh, to flourish, but in the psalm, the psalmist says that the palm tree is growing, it's bearing fruit, it's, it's resembling, there's a comparison between the palm tree and the righteous person, and the palm tree and the righteous person have this in common, and here's what it is, proximity to God, nearness 
to God. The psalmist is saying the nearer and the closer that you are to God, the, the more you'll grow, the faster you'll grow in him, the more that you'll be, your behaviors will change, right? Some of you are thinking, well, Marco, I don't feel it. I don't have these feelings, and I, I understand that, and I sympathize with you, but rather, listen, again, let me state the truth that your feelings aren't king, okay? God is king, okay? Your feelings is not king, okay? Let me review and wrap it up. How do you change? How do you become more like Jesus? Here's what you need to do. Renew your minds. Insecurity, lack of self-worth, I'm fat, I'm ugly, never going to get married, he's never going to be interested in me, she's never going to like me, I'll never get that job, I'm a loser, dad was uh, an abuser. These are all mindsets that are destroying your life. How do you replace those lies? You got to have the truth, right? You got to have the truth. Right? You got to have the truth. And we all need to do this. Number two, some of you have to find new friends and new relationships. Again, for the single ladies who are, uh, you're with a man, he don't want anything to do with the Lord. He wants to use you for your body. Dump him. I give you permission in Jesus' name. He's gone. Cut it off. Pastor Marco, that's going to hurt. It's going to hurt like hell. So here's what you need to do. Afterwards, or before you do it, consult Christian friends, mature ones, and then, and then when it's over, go back to that Christian community and get comfort there, and then go back in the Word of God. So ladies, I'm, I'm trying to give you a way to get free. Pastor, it's going to hurt like hell. It, it will hurt like hell, because remember, sex binds two people, okay? So again, find your Christian community, find comfort there. And go back to your Christian community when you're tempted by the devil to go back to the arms of a lover who does not love God. Okay, let's keep going. Number three, form new habits, okay, and practices. What are you practicing right now? A lot of us practice things that are contrary to the word of God. Okay, and I need these reminders as well. And the reason why I say digital solitude is because I'm just as prone to be on social media too much. I'm just as prone to be on a screen too much. But we're doing our kids a disservice. We're not teaching them how to think. Because they don't have to think when they have a screen in front of them, right? So we battle this just like you do, parents, okay? So no judgment, okay? We battle this. But put boundaries on that screen because you have no idea what that YouTube person is talking about. You have no idea what they're teaching. And you're saying, well, I I read my Bible verse every day. You don't stand a chance. They're going to grow up being discipled by the world, okay? What are you practicing? Are you practicing boundaries? Are you practicing being kind to people? Are you practicing forgiveness towards your enemies? Are you practicing generosity? Are you giving? What are you giving to, right, financially? Number four, change your environments and your experiences. Now, I understand that some of your environments cannot change because you don't have the power to do that because you work in a place where there's lots of perversion. And I hear this from men. Pastor Marco, the guys around me, they have these sex talks and they're dirty jokes and, of course, joking, and I hate it. And you know what? I can't tell you to leave that job. Only the Holy Spirit can. Here's what I can tell you, though. You are there to be salt and light, okay? Now, I know it may not seem like you're making a difference, but you are there to be salt and light. I can't tell you to leave that job. Only the Holy Spirit can. So I won't tell you to do that. I want you to go to God himself for him to lead you. I understand, but Pastor Marco, I'm providing for my family, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Bless your family. Men, provide for your family. Those are all good things. That's what you should be doing. If you're not working, that's a sin against God. You're lazy, get a job, and start providing, okay? That's just a free word from Pastor Marco, right? As we could, I told you, I'm just just unfiltered this morning. (laughs) As we conclude this morning, and everyone was like, oh, is he okay? I'm doing awesome. I'm doing awesome, man. As we conclude, let me ask you a question. We'll wrap it up, you guys. Hey, what is the area the Holy Spirit is illuminating for you today, this morning? Where do you see the greatest hindrance on your journey to following Jesus? Is it your thoughts? Is it negativity? Is it mindsets? Begin to renew your mind. Is it a relationship? You're prone to date creepy, weird guys who use you? It's a mindset. You need new relationships there. Hang out with new people. Surround yourself with godly counsel and wisdom, right? Uh, Maybe you're here this morning and you're you're in bondage because of destructive habits. 
begin to practice the words of God. I know it's difficult right now. Pastor Marco, I, I, it's hard for me to love the guys at work. I know. It's, that's why you have to practice, okay? You got to practice. I'm not good at it. I know. So practice it, okay? You got to practice. Are there environments that have stifled your growth? What is the Holy Spirit showing you this morning? What's the one area the Holy Spirit is highlighting to you that there needs to be change, okay? I love you guys, and I know this was a message not for the weak. This is a message for the strong, but I think you're strong. I think the church needs good teaching, amen? The church needs to stand on the truth. Not to cower to the lies of the enemy, not to cower to the ideologies of our age. The church needs godly men to stand up, to lead their homes well, to get jobs, to provide for their kids, okay? To stand in the gap. Men who are tough, strong, but at the same time, tender when it comes to their wives, tender when it comes to their children. So often men are the opposite, okay? They're passive in the church, and then they're strong and they're harsh with their children and their wives. Yell at them, abuse them, right? I could go on and on. We need a revolution of godly men to step up, okay? How does that happen? Renew your mind. Find new friends, new practices, new environments. Let me pray for you, and then we'll dismiss. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for the work that you're doing here at Radiant Church. Uh, Father, would you just show us by your spirit what is the area that we need to grow in? Surround us with godly friends, God. Surround us with good um, adults in our life, mature Christians who will guide us by the truth of God. Lord, we thank you for the work that you're doing in us. God, I thank you that right now you love us, even though we are insufficient, even though we may not be where we want to be, you still love us, God. You're still rooting for us, God, for us to draw near to you, God. Thank you for grace upon grace upon grace but also help us to be people who will welcome the truth in our lives, welcome the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, clap your hands this morning. We're going to pray for you. If you need prayer, come.